0: What's up, fam? I'm Jazz, and this is Black Executive, a networking podcast for Black creative pros by Black creative pros, sharing inspirational stories, actionable advice, and giving away the game to succeed in your business and your career. Join the network where dreamers become doers and the aspiring become inspired. Listen and watch on BlackExecutive.com. Let's get to it. What's up, Black Executive fam? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Black Executive Podcast. I'm your host, Jazz, as usual. And today we're talking to attorney LaVon Jones with the creator's law firm. She holds an associate's degree in psychology, bachelor's degree in anthropology with a minor in sociology, master's degree in criminal justice with a specialization in legal writing and a juris doctorate degree. Welcome to the show, LaVon.
1: Thank you for inviting me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited to have you. And you got
0: degrees on top of degrees. Like, <laughs> my goodness. I respect it, though. I respect. I respect it. Um, I definitely value higher ed, so I I see the the, the value in that for sure. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Okay. So. um one thing I I I wanted of course let listeners know that we met from you know both being on a panel for women in leadership for another a podcast shout out to it is what it is podcast so check that out give him a plug there um mm-hmm. so um you know and, and one thing that really caught my attention about your you was like your story of becoming an attorney and yeah. like the what it means to you so can you talk about that like to kind of kick us off
1: Yeah yeah but um at First of all, let me just um, let everybody know that I am an intellectual property attorney with the Creator's Law Firm. I report directly to the CEO and founder of the Creator's Law Firm attorney, Takora Davis. Um, so for my story, uh, while well, my family is originally from Bermuda, but we moved to the United States permanently um, when I was in high school. And um, I was raised by a single mother. Um, so we didn't live in the best neighborhoods. I didn't go to the best schools and things like that. But um, when I was younger, I was so plagued by so much um, shyness that I hardly ever talked. Really, (laughs) Yeah. And, um, I dealt with a lot of like depression and being bullied in school. Mm -hmm. And, um, a lot of the times because, um, either I was in a Bermudian school or sometimes I was in an American school, I was always the only black child there. Mm -hmm. So that was also a challenge as well. So I really didn't feel like my voice was validated, I guess. And, um, So when I was in school, I really loved learning. That's the reason why I have so many degrees. I just Mm -hmm. love, I would love to be a professional student if I could. (laughs) Um, So I naturally thought that I would become either like a historian or um, a cultural anthropologist or something of that nature. Um, But secretly, I really wanted to become a lawyer. Mm -hmm. I would see lawyers on TV, and they were the complete opposite of me, right? Mm -hmm. They were so bold. They were brazen, so powerful. They were Mm -hmm. very vocal. And so I always wanted to become an attorney, but because of my shyness and my crippling anxiety, I just cast it aside Mm -hmm. and just didn't think that, you know, it was in the cards for me. Um, but in high school, Um, One of my teachers was actually an attorney and he told me, like, you're always top of your class. You have a knack for writing. You should think about law school. And I was like, no. (laughs) And and, uh, one time at church, we had a, a visiting pastor who said the same thing. He was all like, I see her becoming a lawyer. And my mom, she was all like, mm. the wrong child, you must be talking about my other daughter, because she doesn't talk. <laughs> you know, and then, um, after I got my first bachelor's degree, um, I actually started working in a law firm as a paralegal. Mm-hmm. And, some of the attorneys would tell me, you should go to law school. And I was just like, no. <laughs> All of the signs, he just kept ignoring them. <laughs> I know. And then even while I was doing um, my master's, I was working at another law firm. And again, people were saying like, you should try at least t- take the, you know, law school entrance exam. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no. And after a while working at, the law firm. I, w- I was looking around and I thought, I really don't want this to be my life. Like, I don't want to live mm-hmm. in this cubicle for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And so I went home that day and I was like, Okay, God, I will take the LSATs. I'll take the. <laughs> I will only go to law school if I'm accepted to every law school that I apply to, mm. and I, and I was. And
0: wow,
1: I, I was like. Oh, now I'm gonna have to go.
0: <laughs> wow! I mean, if that's not a sign, like, come on! Like, what else do you want? I have to be accepted. Everyone gets accepted into it. Like, come on!
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. It's so funny. Um, but yeah, when I um started law school, one of the professors, he was um, I'm pretty sure he was like one of the only black professors at my law school, mm-hmm. and so. I guess he saw something in me and he took me under his wing and just helped me along the way in law school. And he would like push me out of my comfort zone, every mm-hmm. chance I got, and he would force me to speak every chance that I got. And mm-hmm. I was just like, you know, but it was really helping me. Mm-hmm. And, then, um, after I finished law school and I passed the bar, um, I first started working at an immigration law firm, helping with um, uh, deportation and mm-hmm. you know, cancellation of removal and things of that nature. And um, but my heart was really um, wanting to help entrepreneurs. And mm-hmm. um, I'm an entrepreneur at heart. I am very creative. Um, so I really wanted to do intellectual property because I feel like in law, that's like the heart of creativity Mm in terms of legal protection. And it just so happened, um, when I decided to quit the immigration, um, firm that the creator's law firm was hiring and looking for an attorney. Mm -hmm. And what attracted me initially was the fact that, um, They were providing a remote position and Mm -hmm. I decided that I wanted to work remotely so I can um, travel a lot more because I really enjoy traveling. Mm -hmm. Even though that was in my heart and I was really trying hard to work remotely, um, a lot of uh, professionals in the legal industry was like, that's impossible. You can't work remotely as a lawyer. That's unheard of. Mm-hmm. And then when I saw that job posting, I was like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So um yeah, and um so I started working at the Creator's Law Firm in 2018. And um my boss, she's the same way. Every chance mm-hmm. she gets, she pushes me out of my comfort zone and makes mm-hmm. me talk and makes me um, you know, lead meetings and you know, have all of these things and do all of these new things. So um mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's basically my story.
0: <laughs> wow, I was taking notes because you like touched on a lot of things. Um, and talk. And I know you you mentioned like you you credit your one of your professors and your boss for pushing you out of your comfort zone. But I know that's something that you had to work on too as a, a professional. So, like, what did you do? How did you push yourself to break out of that?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, it was it was so gradual because. Really, um, when I look back, I didn't start actually talking to other people outside of my family until I was about 25. Mm, Wow. Yeah. So it was like little steps. So I would would tell myself, okay, you're going to go to the grocery store by yourself. Or (laughs) I would say, like, okay, I'm going to, you know you know, ask a stranger a question or mm-hmm. something, or I would say, okay, I will go to this church event by myself. And so it was like little baby steps. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, like um, my family and my mom and my sister, they also stopped. Like, I, I feel like around uh, age 20, they, they completely stopped enabling me. They mm-hmm. were We're not going to speak for you. We're not going to, you know, go to places for you anymore. Mm -hmm. And um, so it was that as well. And then on top of that, um, yeah, law school hit me hard because I feel like I am since I love learning, I'm a perfectionist. I'm mm-hmm. always trying to get those straight A's. Yeah, and mm-hmm. when I was in law school to get those straight A's, you had to
0: talk. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> you have to be vocal, You have to do speeches. You have to argue, and I feel like by putting myself in that position, that forced me to um, accomplish my goal of, even though it was just you know a grade. Mm-hmm. Um, it really forced me to, you know, step out of my comfort zone and actually speak. So I think um, it's a combination of a wide array of things, you know, family helping you, you Mm -hmm. taking those little steps in your mind, trying to figure out like how you're going to overcome this fear. And um, actually another big thing is fake it until you make it. Hey, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Yeah, even even if even sometimes when I'm speaking, I'm super terrified, Mm -hmm. I just say, tell myself, you know, whatever, just fake it, (laughs) you know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And before I know it, I'm finally comfortable, you know?
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I feel that. Um at, at, like the fact that you're like I'm gonna to go to the grocery store by myself like wow that I never even thought about like it being to the point that you're like I need someone to go with me because I don't want to talk yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's That's <laughs> yeah yeah I'm glad that you you made some progress on that um it, I I kind of had a a slightly similar story as far on the career side um mm-hmm. with you know um having to speak up like you said in law school like you had, in order to succeed, you had to talk. So I'm a black woman in tech. And if I do not talk, literally people will not let me speak my entire career. Cause like it, my career was so white and male. So yeah. <laughs> I yeah. totally, I totally hear you. And, and I feel that I know exactly what you mean. It's like, you, you have to get your voice out there.
1: Right, exactly, exactly.
0: For sure, for sure. Um. So wh- another thing that really stood out to me um, and that you seem to be passionate about is making sure that black attorneys know that they have other paths and they can create their own lane. Um, And you spoke a bit about, you know, your experience trying to, um, you know, just find a job after graduating. So can you talk a bit about that?
1: Yeah. um, So in the legal industry, of course, um, just so you can understand there's only 5% of attorneys who are black. Wow. And nationwide, so it's definitely a place where we need a lot more representation. Um, yeah, I hardly ever see anybody who looks like me, mm. and so even not in, even in law school it was sparse. And um, so after I finished law school, I um, was on the dean's list several times. I received the pro bono honors awards. I received a professionalism award. I was Mm -hmm. editor-in-chief of the Property Law Journal and I became captain of my negotiations team. On top of that, I passed the bar my first time, the same bar that Ivy League, you know, hey, Mm -hmm. I sent out over 100 resumes and I didn't get one call back. My goodness, yeah, 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 and then, um, that immigration law firm that I worked for was actually opened by um one of my peers um she mm. she's um a Spanish woman, and she wanted to help her her people, you know, with, um, deportation and immigration Mm -hmm. issues. So she opened up her own law firm. I'm assuming that she probably had the same pushback. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, um, so when I started working there, um, you know, it was small time, it was a small law firm or whatever. And then when I decided that I wanted to leave, because I really wanted to work with more entrepreneurs and, um, people with, uh, in the creative space, Um, first thing I did was starting to, um, freelance. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, I see a lot of my peers, especially, um, people who are African-American opening up their own law firms or opening up different businesses. You know what? I'm going to have to do the same thing. I'm going to have to create my own lane. And I, and obviously we cannot, follow the same traditional path as the other law students are doing because yeah. most of the law students that I was sitting next to their parents, their aunts, their uncles, their cousins were attorneys mm. or they worked in the law firms. They already had, you know, um, networking in place. They already knew a lot of people. Um, it was like finding a job was not even a worry for them. Yeah at all and um so for me i was like there i don't even know where to start to try to network Mm -hmm. and um i got my uh law license in south carolina you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) so there there's not a lot of like black legal networking events or what Mm -hmm. have you in the south right um well, I just basically had to. First of all, I leaned on one of my friends who was a financial advisor, and he started giving me some clients. And so I started freelancing that way and um, offering like contract drafting services and, um, you know, some advisement, just, you know, dabbling a little bit and trying my best to network online. Mm-hmm. Even though I was still you know, struggling with my own introversion and stuff like that, I was still trying to get myself out there and do something different. And um, thankfully, I, because of this networking and finding um, another attorney who started her own law firm, who happened to go to the same law school as me, mm-hmm. um, were able to connect and I was able to apply for her position. And I think that's really important for black attorneys is to don't feel like they are stuck to follow the status quo Mm -hmm. in an industry that obviously is not crafted for us, you know, going to have to find our own way. We're going to have to do something different. Mm -hmm. And, I feel like there's power in that when you Mm -hmm. finally decide that you're going to do something different Mm -hmm. and you're going to just do you and not try to, um, distract yourself from the traditional route. I think a lot of people take notice Mm. And, and in the black community, I feel like we start, um, you know, seeking out our, who people who look like us, not mm-hmm. only in the legal industry, but, you know, in the creative space or in the entrepreneurial mm-hmm. space, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: for sure. For sure. De- we definitely do that. And I'm sure the fact that you're like in intellectual property law, it's like there are even fewer <laughs> black attorneys in IP law. And, it, mm-hmm. you know, I actually considered law school on and off several times, and it was IP law as well because oh. I'm a creative. Yeah, because yeah. I'm a creative, and I wanted to know, like, I used to, when I was a kid, I would see my brother um, was like big into music and he's in the music industry now. Um, but I would see him like make music and then do the poor man's copyright and like send it oh to God. himself and not open it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that like kind of inspired me. So I was like, what, why, you know, like we, what does that mean? Why did you do that? Can we not afford, like, what is all this? And it kind of sparked my interest into that. Yeah. Um, I, I just, I never pursued it, but um, I'm pretty sure it's like even more of a rarity, you know?
1: Yeah. Um. When I looked it up, it said that there's only 1.9% of Black attorneys in intellectual property. <laughs> wow. Wow, and I'm sure, and I'm sure I couldn't find the number, but I'm sure the number for black women intellectual oh property. Yeah.
0: yeah, oh my God, oh my god, god. wow, that, that now I'm like should I have pursued that?
1: <laughs> <No>. <laughs> well, you got <laughs> time if you want to
0: <laughs> hey, i I, I switch gears so much you never know. you never yeah. know where I'll end up. <laughs> but yeah, I'm glad you spoke uh, spoke on that speaking of women. Um, one thing that I really respect about the creators law firm is that y'all specialize in helping women entrepreneurs grow their businesses. And we have seen the stats over and over. If you haven't seen it by now, that Black women are leading in entrepreneurship. Um, you know, uh, we're leading in all these degrees. Um, point A, like <laughs> Exhibit A, right here. Um, you know, so uh, can you talk a bit about that as a difference as a law firm and and the mission behind that?
1: Yeah. So um, at the Creators Law Firm, we are a premium boutique intellectual property and business law firm. Um, We offer subscription services and on-demand legal projects as well. Um, We specifically help creatives. Um, I want to say about 90% of our clients are Black women. Um, They are legacy-driven entrepreneurs, influencers, Mm -hmm business owners, they are thriving in their purpose and pioneering their paths for others, you know? Mm -hmm. So what we specialize in is providing culturally relevant legal services. So that will include um, contracts, drafting, trademarks, copyrights, infringement defense, even negotiations for any um, business transactions that your business could be um, going through. Um, Mm -hmm. But what we like to do as a firm, is not only just provide them the legal services, but we love to empower them with the tools needed to protect their products, Mm -hmm. their programs, and their profits. And the way how we do this is we also provide education. Mm -hmm. Currently, we are trying to rebuild. Our website by including a lot more um, videos that educate our clients on not only how to leverage their business, but also how to leverage their intellectual property. So that's like a mm-hmm. passion of ours, making sure that. After you are done um, getting your legal services from us, that you're also educated and you actually know what you have. You actually know the steps that you need to take. Mm -hmm. Um, We don't want you to just, you know, get your contract and don't even know what what was in that contract. We actually take Mm -hmm. this. And we sit down with our clients, and we explain each clause so they understand what is included within their contract. What are they? What is being protected in their business, mm-hmm. and that nature? Um, we also make sure they understand the importance of intellectual property and how to police their intellectual property from infringement. Mm-hmm. Um, we we really want our clients to succeed and we really want them to have peace of mind when it comes to their legal foundation because then they can focus on you know expanding their businesses you know impacting the marketplace even more and really um you know really shining in their industry
0: mm-hmm. wow yeah that is so important like and i love that that y'all are educating and i'm i'm sure Like I know for myself, I I never like to like, you know, categorize all black women as the same. But I know for me, I like to take things into my own hands and I need someone to help me the first time. But after I learn how to do it, I want to do it myself. So, you know, I love that education piece. Like if I have to go through this trademark application the first time, I don't want to have to keep paying you every time I need to buy (laughs) a trademark. Like I want to know how to do it myself and other services I can hire you to, you know, help me with. So yeah, that's, that's important. And I know that like for a lot of black women, that empowerment piece and that ownership piece is so important. That's because we like, yes, they've done. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yes. So you're
0: passionate about women being entrepreneurs. Can you talk about why is it important for women specifically and Black women to be entrepreneurs?
1: Yeah, most definitely. So um, I feel like women are incubators for vision, right? So, and I also feel like entrepreneurship is the vehicle that drives that vision into fruition. Mm. So entrepreneurship also, provides women with financial freedom and mm-hmm. i feel like with financial freedom women are feel even more empowered to impact their community mm-hmm. because that's what what women are are you know prone to do they always want to make sure everything is taken care of they want to yes. make sure that they are secure and then once everything is secure their finances are in order then they go out there and start impacting the community, start serving people and start making change, you, you know, right? So um, I feel like entrepreneurship is an empowerment piece for women. It makes women unstoppable, creates change. Um, and I feel like naturally... Women are visionaries, right? We're always dreaming, we're always thinking about something more. We yes. have so much ideas within our minds and um yeah, and I just feel like entrepreneurship reignites that type of vision within us. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the most precious things that we have is authentic pure creativity, right? Mm-hmm. So, um and one thing that I really love, I think I saw this quote on ins- on Instagram one time, but it says um, that there is no one like you in the world and that's your superpower. And mm-hmm. I feel like entrepreneurship, you can take whatever makes, makes you you and monetize it mm-hmm. and then, um, create financial freedom and then change your community. Mm-hmm. So I, that's why I feel like entrepreneurship is so important. And I think- um, every woman should at least dabble in it a little bit or even just have a side hustle, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm totally with that. Like, I feel like everyone should have a side hustle, some type of passive income, even if like you don't feel that you're called to be like a full-time entrepreneur, you know, having something going on so that if you ever are in a position where you don't have access to that nine to five and that steady paycheck, you can survive.
1: Exactly. And I feel like um, in this day and age, you can't just survive and survive well with just one job, right? No. <laughs> like, yeah, I feel like that's not a thing anymore.
0: <laughs> yeah, I feel like, and I feel like it doesn't matter how much money you make. Even if you you get to this point and you're making six figures, well into six figures or whatever, if you're smart about it, you should still have multiple other streams of income. You should because if at, at that point, you know, if you're making, you know. $500,000 a year, hey, you lose that for any reason. You're not going to be able to maintain any of your assets. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think um, with last year and the whole coronavirus thing, it has really showed people that tomorrow's not promised. Yes. And we cannot you know, rely on things that are put in, you know, place for us because it's, that's not even um, sustainable either. You know, people yeah. think like, if I have a job, I'll be fine. If anything no. happens, not anymore, <laughs> you
0: know. No, have yeah. your money spread out, have your money in multiple forms, not just cash.
1: <laughs> yes, yes. hmm
0: Yes, that's important. So let's say that, you know, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm starting my business and I just have an idea and a few sales. So what are a few things that I need to do to have my business in order legally sound?
1: Okay, so um, I'm gonna kind of go backwards. So I think um, number four is to uh, seek out and invest your time with a mentor. I feel like mentorship Mm -hmm is so important and a lot of people don't even think that's important. They just um, you know, try to fly on the seat of their pants and hope something works, you know? Yeah. There's a lot of people out there that are offering mentorship and offering advice and they want to see other people succeed, right? Mm -hmm. So I think mentorship is very important. The next thing is if you don't have um, your domain name and social media handles, make sure that all of that is secured, Mm -hmm. but um, also make sure that you have appropriate business contracts in place, right? Mm -hmm. Like um, before I got onto the podcast, I had to sign, you know, a release form. That's Mm -hmm. a contract that is protecting not only the podcast, but also your business and your content. Mm -hmm. um, That is very important because contracts governs your relationship with your clients and your customers, your team members, even your website, it can protect, right? Mm -hmm. And um, the next thing I would say is to make sure that your business is legally formed correctly, whether Mm -hmm. LLC or corporation, um, because it directly affects you from a tax perspective, right? Mm -hmm. And a liability perspective. Um, If your business is not formed, you may have to pay higher taxes, or you could Mm be sued or your personal assets can um, be up for grabs, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But the number one thing that I always tell people who call me is before you start a business, I feel like the best way to start your business is number one, get your business name or your logo or whatever it is that's you representing your business. Make sure it is trademarked. Yes. <laughs> number one, because you don't want to go ahead and start a business and then immediately get hit with the cease and desist letter and you're just like blindsided mm-hmm. and you're like oh my gosh what's going on? I didn't know that somebody else's name was already taken, you know. And I'm, mm-hmm. you know, all of these issues ensue. So that's what I say. Number one is trademarks.
0: Trademarks. Okay, get get pivot because I have a question about that. Um, okay. so like with with trademarks are number one, like I know when I had to go through the process of like trying to get everything together for a Black Executive, um, the application they will ask you like business name, company name, or whatever. What if I don't have my LLC, then what?
1: Yeah, so what some people will do is go ahead and put the trademark in their own personal name. And once mm-hmm. they secure that LLC, you can just go ahead and update the form and put your business name. Mm-hmm. And um, it's not really that that hard to do. We would just need to do a, what we call an assignment. So mm-hmm. we assigned a trademark to your new business name.
0: okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that answers that question cuz I know it comes up a lot like what's first the LLC or you know sole proprietorship or your trademark what's yeah. you know and I and I've seen it's it's all over the place some people are like prove the concept first before you trademark anything like prove cuz if you have a business that's not even viable and you no. trademark it you know um
1: no. you're like no <laughs> No no I don't I don't agree because um I want to say probably a lot more than half of the calls that I will receive is, oh my gosh, I've been, you know, having this business, it's it's successful. Now all everything's at risk because I was hit with a cease and desist letter. I am so Mm. scared. I don't know what to do. And I don't like giving people bad news. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't like telling people, you know, you're going to have to rebrand or sometimes Mm -hmm. at the a scenario, we basically have to try to negotiate um, a settlement, and that mm. is based upon however much sales you've made under that infringed upon name. Wow! I'm, just like, I'm like, why would you do, you know, why wouldn't you want to trademark and make sure that you can, in fact, own this business? Yeah. Just having an LLC or a corporation does not provide you ownership. Mm-hmm. Just having your business formed. It's only giving you permission to run a business within that state, right? Mm-hmm. So a trademark is what actually gives you ownership of your brand. Mm-hmm. And it protects your brand. It protects your content. It protects your ideas and other other works that you have created within your business. Mm-hmm. And, um, and make sure that your reputation is intact, right? Yeah, You don't want to get hit with a cease and desist letter has to, uh, you know, rebrand and now your reputation is tarnished. You don't know if, if you'll have the same Mm -hmm. following, you're going to have to change everything, get new social media names, you know, Mm -hmm. and on top of that, a threat of a lawsuit plants a seed of fear. Now, Mm -hmm. now your, your spirit for entrepreneurship is damaged. You don't even know if you even want to continue not only will you have to pay all of this legal cost, but on top of that, now your spirit is is dwindling, you know. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's the reason why you have to make sure that you can actually own the name and secure your trademark first.
0: Yes, yes, that's that's so smart and important. Um and there was a, a guest on this show, season one, and they have a podcast called Love Biology Podcast. I'm just plugging all my people today. Yeah. Um, but they have a podcast. And they talk. He talks about it on the podcast. Like As soon as I got the name in my head, we called an attorney the same day right? To get a trademark and, fl- and glad they went through an attorney because they're... A, books out there called loveology there's all other merchants like other stuff out there called loveology and mm-hmm. the attorney was able to research that find that and say okay well you have to be loveology podcast specifically yeah. and we're going to be in these categories or whatever exactly. um, and that's it was important to have that legal you know uh mind handling that because like you don't know mm-hmm. that world he could have like fumbled all in two
1: And like some people, they always think like, oh, I'm just gonna start this business because nobody, I'm sure nobody else has this name, but you don't know everybody Mm -hmm. out there. I mean, like nationwide, there's gonna be somebody else who comes up with the same name or the same Mm -hmm. concept as you. So you want to make sure that you know all of that is protected right out the gate.
0: Yes, yes, that's so important. Um, so if someone files a trademark mm-hmm. and it is rejected, because I know it takes a long time. It could take like up to a year or something like that.
1: Yeah, it takes mm-hmm. um nine to fifteen months to um <sighs> to file your trademark. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So if it's rejected, what happens then? What what okay. it is to accept?
1: Yeah, so that's a great question. So usually what happens is um, the trademark office, they will issue a letter and this letter is what they called an office action. So an office action um, basically lets you know if there's something wrong with your trademark application. Right. And this could be like a wide array of Of things that could be wrong. It could be something minor such as, oh, you put a comma when there should be a semicolon. Yes. It's seriously that (laughs) detailed. Yeah. Or it could be like, oh, we don't like the type the kind of description that how you explained your services, so we want you to draft it this way. Or it can be that, hey, um, we think that some somebody else's trademark is kind of similar to yours, so we're going to reject it. So mm-hmm. if it does become rejected, It's it, what I would recommend is contact an attorney because for you to even respond to an office action, you have to have an attorney. They will not um, allow just, you know, anybody to respond to the office action. So you have to make sure that you have an attorney to respond to it. Because a lot of times an attorney can actually review an office action and review the reasons why they are saying that your trademark application is rejected. And we will already have in in mind different legal arguments that we can um, put into paper and let Mm -hmm. them know, hey, you said that this this mark is very similar to this other person's trademark. We don't, we disagree. And these are the reasons why. Mm-hmm. And if we can argue that um, very strongly, then we can make them change their mind and then like mm-hmm. the trademark to registration. So make sure that you contact an attorney if your trademark is rejected.
0: Oh, wow. That's important. I didn't know that you could you could like dispute it and stuff like that. So that's good mm-hmm. info. Um, I yes. always thought that if it got rejected, you're just like, "Uh oh, well,
1: no, no. no. Mm-hmm.
0: OK, good. Good to know. Um, kind of pivoting off of that. So when it comes to like you you have your business up, you have um, your trademark file and you trademark the name. Mm -hmm. not the logo. Can you talk about the difference between trademarking your name versus copywriting the logo or trademarking the logo and how that works?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's a really great question. I've never had anybody ask me that question before. That's awesome. So, um, trademarking the name is just, you know, what we call a word mark. So Mm -hmm. black executive, um, if you trademark the name Black executive in connection with a podcast, you would be able to use that word "black executives" together, and anytime you're referencing your podcast, so you can use that at any time. A mm-hmm. logo is actually what we are protecting is the design. So mm-hmm. all of the elements within the logo, even the colors, even mm-hmm. if you have like a squiggly line or a box in in the um, you know in between the words or whatever have you, we are protecting the design. So that design of the logo is what's being protected. Because, you know, sometimes when um, you are running your business, sometimes you don't want to put your logo on, you know, I don't know, a letterhead or something. Mm -hmm. You just want to say Black executive on the letterhead, just type it out, right? Mm -hmm. At least the words is protected. And um, the logo the design is what is going to be protected. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, okay, that's good to know. That's mm-hmm. good to know. Um, so I I know that was new information for me when I went down this journey, and I was like, oh, so it's just not. I just can't like throw the logo up there. And it's all it's like, nope, you got to have the name. <laughs> the exactly. logo is different. Yeah. yeah. So lot, lots yeah. of rules and lots of reasons why you need to hire an attorney. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. A lot of people think that it's really simple, that they just need to um, fill out an application, like, you know, just like a LLC or sole proprietorship or something of that nature. And it's really not that easy. It's really much Mm -hmm. more in depth. And even the application can be really confusing as well, Mm -hmm. especially if you're not trained and you don't understand the type of language that the trademark office is looking for. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, One last thing before we kind of pivot to uh, back to entrepreneurship a little bit. Um, Can you talk about the difference between uh, a trademark, a copyright and a patent?
1: Yes, that's a great question. So um, a trademark is basically a tagline or a word or a business name, or even a logo. And in rare cases, it can e- also be a sound like, mm-hmm. you know, with law and order in the dun dun. Oh, wow. That yeah. be a trademark, or even it could be a color in real cases, like Mm. the Tiffany color blue. Yeah. Right. do that. Yeah. 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 So what a trademark is, is, um, a protection for your word, phrase, logo, or tagline. And it's also associated with, helping people identify your unique products and services. So a trademark is always attached to the type of goods or services that you are providing within your business, right? And a trademark is the only intellectual property that will last forever. Hmm. So it's very important. As for a patent, a patent protects a type of invention. Sometimes you can even get a patent on a design, like um, the design of a Coca-Cola bottle. Mm -hmm. That ornamental feature of a Coca-Cola bottle can be patentized, right? And um, they have a certain type of um, lifespan. Um, Patents can also apply to um, man-made plants, you know, or man-made genomes. So that's, it's like a kind of, um, you know, a lot of people who, who do patent laws, they actually have to be, um, have to have like a chemistry background or mm. technical backgrounds because it's very um, detailed in that type of technicalized way, right? Mm-hmm. And as for a copyright, So a copyright protects literary and artistic works um, in what's called a fixed, tangible medium. So I know that's kind of weird, but um, basically what that explains is a type of book or a podcast, videography, choreography, Mm. arts, graphic designs. Um, So it's in a medium that people can experience. So it's not enough that you just have a story in your head, you have to actually write out the book, write out the novel, write out the story in a type of text where you can distribute it to other people. So that's a kind of copyright. Mm -hmm. Um, Copyrights, they will last during your lifespan plus 75 years after your untimely demise. Wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So there's your little um, overview of copyrights, trademarks and patents
0: (laughs) there you go so if you didn't know what you needed that should clear it up for you so if you have your business name trademark if you have a dope shirt design copyright
1: Mm -hmm. exactly
0: there you go awesome so you already touched on this a little bit uh, but what are some of the most common legal pitfalls that you see happen with creatives
1: Oh, okay, that's a great question. So um, I would say the common pitfall, of course, is not trademarking your name. That's most mm-hmm. of the calls that we get is people not protecting um, their brand. And then their legacy is basically at risk. And they're trying to scramble to try to figure out what they can do to protect it. Mm-hmm. Um, another issue that I always see is not having any contracts in place. Mm-hmm. And Um, Not only, you know, contracts that govern business transactions, but also contracts that governs relationships. So Mm. if you have a partnership in your business, a lot of times I will get clients who says, well, I don't know. Who who will um you know who's able to access the bank. I don't know mm-hmm. who's able to sign this document or that document. And I even had a call recently where a client was like, I don't know who's going to own the intellectual property because I feel like it should be me. Mm-hmm. Of course, because I came up with the name, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and they didn't have any contracts in place that governs what each person is um, responsible for, or what each person can do. Mm-hmm. And so making sure that you have those contracts in place, make sure that um, your business runs smoothly, and then also make sure that your brand is also protected within the business as well. So those mm-hmm. are the two things that I most usually see.
0: Mm-hmm. That's really important, especially the contracts. Like I know a lot of times we start business with Kenfolk. Yes. Cousin, that's my homegirl. It's like, you know, we cool. It. Y'all should know. Yeah. Y'all should have seen enough. What is it? VH1
1: behind the music yeah, just... band stories to know. <laughs> I know. I know. And it's such a shame and it's crazy sometimes. And sometimes it can even um, rise to the level of a lawsuit mm-hmm. or... And um, I've seen that happen as well. Even for um, not even having an appropriate contract for clients, and uh, like if you if you offer an online course, and then somebody gets into the online course and starts acting crazy and and making people feel uncomfortable in the group chat, you know, you don't know what, wow. you, what you have to do, right? It's okay. not in the contract. So then, what do you do then? So you have to think of things like that mm-hmm. when it comes to contracts that really governs, um, you know, the piece within your business and making sure that everything runs flu- like smoothly, right? <laughs>
0: Wow. So you just cover a lot of stuff I hadn't even thought about, like (laughs) online courses. Like I spent a a large part of my career working in um, higher ed and online courses. And I never thought about that. Like, of course I worked for a college, so that was all handled um, with our legal team. But I thought about doing some independent stuff. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and think about that. Someone gets to act in a fool in the course, (laughs) you know, (laughs) What, what, what do you have in place to handle that? So With that being said, like all of these random things that happen, that a lot of times entrepreneurs don't think about, uh, what, like, what would you suggest for someone who wants to be proactive? Like, I know you say you get a lot of calls about trademark and copywriting, and after pretty much after people have gotten in hot water and they're like, "Help!" Mm -hmm. Yeah, for someone who's like, "I'm proactive, I'm a go getter, and I just want to," I know I have this idea and I know it's gonna pop. Like, what do I do? I just contact you and what?
1: Yeah, so that's a great question. So first of all, yes, I think one of your first calls should be um calling an intellectual property attorney because what basically starts a business is creative ideas, right? Mm-hmm. So you want to make sure immediately that those creative ideas are protected before you start marketing, before you start, you know, sharing it with other people and sharing it within the marketplace because Oh, there is a lot of, um, infringement going on in these internet streets. I'm telling mm. you, people are just sitting there waiting for the next idea and then they go and steal it. I mm. mean, like it's so common. So you want to make sure that right out the gate, you have an intellectual property attorney, um, and you get your trademarks, uh, you know secured and yeah so you can like call the creators law firm if you want to um mm-hmm. we have a website on um, www.creatorslawfirm.com so you can of course call us or um just do your own due diligence and mm-hmm. one thing i would say not to do is i i stay away from legal zoom right so <laughs> mm. i mean like cuz really you get what you pay for right mm. So um, you really have to keep that in mind. Um, Legal Zoom, they usually just uh, hire paralegals to do the work. And a lot of times it's incorrect. And we're always fixing a lot of things that Legal Zoom is doing. Mm-hmm. So make sure you understand that as well. And then um, I know there's a lot of people out there who's like, well, I don't really have the funds, right? Mm-hmm. To, um, make sure that I get a really good attorney. There are other avenues that you can take. So, for example, just doing a simple Google search or just going ahead and um, at least contacting um, the bar, bar associations in your state. Mm-hmm. A lot of- Times the bar associations have pro bono clinics where attorneys will um, volunteer their time mm-hmm. and help you with um, either your business contracts or help you with your trademark application. And a lot of times they will only just charge a small fee. Another, um, avenue that you can take is contacting a local law school. A lot of times they have um, trademark clinics or uh, business clinics where you can actually go in there and um, hire them to do your, either your business contracts or your trademark application. And yeah, they they are law students who do it, but they are, um, you know, working under the law license of their professor, So their professor mm-hmm. really make sure that they're doing things the correct way. And the only thing that I would say about that is that they will, you know, take a long time to get all of that completed for you. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just make sure that you know that this is very important and that it should be top of mind for your business, right?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I actually heard about that option once I started my whole process. Um, I know there was a really good link on their site. So if you're listening, you can find it in the show notes. If you're watching this, I'll drop it in the comments below so you can find that link as well. In addition to links to the Creators Live Farm, um, because Mm -hmm. I would definitely advise you to go that route. Clearly, (laughs) I think LaVon has shown this entire podcast that they know their stuff. (laughs) (laughs) So you you definitely want to give them give them a call so they can help you get your stuff in order because you don't. Mm -hmm. Don't You have named so many situations that I'm just like, I did not even think about that. That yeah. could be an ugly situation um that you don't want to have
1: to dig yourself out of. Right, exactly. And it, yeah, like I was saying earlier, I don't like giving people bad news. I don't like
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, telling people, you know, well, you know, you're going to have to rebrand or mm-hmm. you're going to have to pay a lot of money to, you know, get... Mm-hmm off your back and stuff like that um so i i feel like especially in um the black community we are not educated about our legal rights and that's Mm -hmm. why i really like what the law firm is doing Mm -hmm. and uh, also i think probably because we are so strong-minded we always want to do things on our own you know (laughs) so we can't figure it out on our own but i feel like with legal services, you shouldn't try to do that on your own. And I understand mm-hmm. that businesses are people's basically their baby, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of people are like really apprehensive about anybody touching their baby or advising them what they should do with their baby. But when you actually have an actual child, don't you want to make sure that they they get the best doctors or mm-hmm. in the best- so you should do, want to do the same thing for your business make sure that you have the best lawyers that are advising you on how you should handle your business right mm-hmm. so um you should really think about that
0: yeah yeah for sure keep that in mind keep that in mind and i love that you say y'all also are subscription based so if you cannot afford to have an in-house attorney
1: yeah yep.
0: <laughs> there you go so mm-hmm. i love that i love when um not only to see Black businesses thrive, but to see us, you know, uh, be innovative in the way that we go about building products and services to be unique to our community's needs. And we know, like, sometimes we need that flexibility of having a subscription-based <laughs> service yeah. for an attorney, you know. Exactly. It breeds innovation, for sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. Nice. All right, so as we get ready, wrap, get ready to wrap up, what is a current read or a recommended read or pass or anything to help people better understand the legal side of their business?
1: Yeah. So um, I actually asked my, um, my CEO <laughs> of the law firm, this question, and she actually recommended the Bible. And I was like, Oh yeah, she's probably right. Yeah. Because the Bible does um, have a lot of tips in there about business. And she believes that one of the, First entrepreneurs was was God, you know, when he created the earth, right? He was one of the first creatives that that we've ever seen, you know? So um wow. look, at, look, look at the Bible. But um another book is um one of our clients. She uh, wrote this amazing marketing and business playbook. It's called um, Uncloned Marketing, How to Challenge the Norms with Profitable Marketing Campaigns. Mm-hmm. That's an amazing book. Um and she's an amazing client. She is so creative. Um, she's very business savvy. And she is serious about her mm-hmm. intellectual property portfolio. She makes sure that she's leveraging everything that she creates. We always get calls from her like, hey, I got another trademark. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. so she is so serious about her intellectual property. And I love how she runs her business. So her book is amazing. Um, another bi- business book that I would recommend is The Personal bo- The Personal MBA, um, Mm -hmm. Master of the Art of Business. I think it's by Josh Kaufman. Um, I think that is an amazing book because it essentially what he promises is that you don't even need a master's (laughs) degree Mm in business as long as you read his book. And it really is very it gives you a great overview of business and entrepreneurship Mm -hmm. and um, things that you should do to make sure that your business runs smoothly.
0: Wow, that is a bold claim. I'm definitely gonna have to check out him yeah. and
1: all of, all of these that you said. The Bible was funny
0: though, that, yeah. that tickled me. I was not that's probably the most unexpected answer I've ever heard on this show. <laughs> 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 that was a good one, that was actually quite creative. Mm-hmm. Um, to be on the nose with it, uh, so how do you think your work impacts the black community? You already spoke a lot about it, but just in mm-hmm. summary,
1: yeah, so um. Just so um your listeners can know, black entrepreneurs have been historically marginalized and systematically targeted since the beginning of this country, right? Yes. And intellectual property was not always accessible to us. And we are seeing that now. Like, for example, with the Jack Daniels. We've we mm-hmm. just recently found out that it, it was Jack Daniels' slave who actually created, you know, the mm-hmm. Jack Daniels ingredients, right? he did not have um, access to intellectual property. So mm-hmm. his family is not you know, benefiting from his creative works, right? Mm-hmm. Our ideas, our culture, our creative works has been robbed time and time again. And so the mission of the Creators Law Firm is to um, reveal that block entrepreneurship is not only revolutionary, but it's honorable. And it's mm-hmm. um, right, and we should... Um, make sure that we protect our ideals. Because you know, all the time I feel like a lot of of um ideas or creativity that's popping in the marketplace usually comes from the black community, right? Yes. And true. um, but like for example, that girl who said that her eyebrows was on fleek, then everybody yeah. made sure that they trademarked on fleek except her, you know. Mm. So I mean, um, Intellectual property really does um, change people's lives and it really does secure a legacy. And um, once you have your legacy secured with um, intellectual property rights, you're able to go ahead and execute more creative visions mm-hmm. and um, allow more black people to take back power within the marketplace. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes, that is so important. Like, and I didn't even know that about her. Like the on fleek, and that's crazy because we say stuff all the time yes. and we don't think anything of it. We're just talking, we're just being us with a little bit of flavor, exactly. you know. And now we viral, and and people got it on shirts. And oh my exactly, god, exactly.
1: And it's such a yeah. shame. I don't like seeing that. And I'm just like, man, somebody could have trademarked that and monetized it, and then had their family set up for life. You know, yeah. multi generational wealth right there. Uh, so we're missing out hmm. yes
0: yes so make sure that if you come up with any type of saying or anything that goes viral get your stuff in order immediately. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <Please do. laughs> yes. and what final advice would you have for creatives who are like hey i'm overwhelmed about like this, the legal side of this business i don't know what to do like what is your final advice for them
1: Yeah. So my final advice is, um, you know, approach an attorney, um, at least have a consultation with them. At least try Mm -hmm. to get some understanding of what type of legal foundation that you need in your business. Mm -hmm. Um, one thing that, um, a lot of people like to do is, uh, uh what is it called uh schedule uh hour legal consultation with either me or my boss the t- attorney davis and we like to make sure that we give you um you know empowerment within our legal um, consultations. We want to know the ins and outs of your business. Try to really gauge what you need. Try to give you a time frame of what what you should do within your business. A lot of times, I will make sure and say, okay, listen, you need to do your trademarks first, and then your copyright, and then your contracts, and then you do this and this and this. You know, so at least you would at least know where you're going or where you should go and what steps you should take legally to protect your business. And, um, like I've been saying throughout this entire podcast, make sure that you secure your Mm trademark and make sure that your business has contracts.
0: Yes. That's so important. Make sure, um, you have all that stuff in order and on contracts. If uh, I, Quick question on that. I just thought about that. <laughs> so if if you um have a contract and, you know, I'm just going to draft it up myself. Do I have to have an attorney review that for it to be legit? Or can I literally like you hear about those stories where people like, Wrote down a contract real quick on a napkin, and it holds up in court. (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I guess it all depends on what type of risk do you want to take when it comes to your business, right? Mm -hmm. Are you willing to go ahead and um, draft a contract on a piece of napkin and just hope and hope on a prayer (laughs) that it holds up in court? You know, you're actually just allowing um, your business to be, you know. Basically, you're just allowing a judge to just look and figure out whatever he can figure out with it, whatever you wrote on that piece of napkin. Mm-hmm. I really wouldn't advise you to just be at the, you know, behest of a judge, you know, because he's mm-hmm. going to go ahead and give you a basic um, legal protection. But if mm-hmm. you have a lawyer actually draft your contract very robustly and make sure that Everything that you are worried about, everything that you couldn't, didn't even think about is in that contract and is fully protected. And that when a judge reads that contract, he knows, oh, OK, everything is listed out. Everything, So I don't really have to make up any laws. I don't have to fill in any holes. I don't have to fill in any gaps. You know, he will just be like, listen, it is what it is. It's written right here. You know, Mm -hmm. you want to make sure that you are so protected. And um, one of the uh, legal services that we do provide at the Creators Law Firm is we do offer contract um, redrafting services. So if you Mm -hmm. want uh, one of the attorneys to actually review a contract that you either you drafted or somebody else drafted, we most definitely would do that. Mm -hmm. And um, what we like to do is go clause by clause, explain what it is saying, whatever it is that you wrote or whatever this other person wrote in the clause. And actually we give recommendations of, listen, you need to put this in this in your contract. You're forgetting this. This clause doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, this is what, what's going to happen if you go ahead and use this contract. So we make sure that you understand the importance of whatever it is that you have have in front of you right so um if if you want to take advantage of that you can do that at your leisure as well and um of course we also offer um customized contracts drafting as well
0: that's important y'all get your handle your damn business Handle business like literally get it in order to make sure that you have your stuff legally sound because you just don't want to be in a situation where either you owe somebody or you're chasing
1: down somebody else because they owe you. (laughs) Exactly, and a lot of people think that um, it's not needed. I don't, I don't know why, but I'm thinking probably because a lot of people feel a safe behind a screen, like when it, when they're dealing with online businesses. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But really once you have binding contracts, it is, you can get them from wherever they are. It Mm -hmm. will protect you um, within your state. Like if they are coming to you and you run a business in Florida and then they, you know, sign up for your online course and in your contracted States, you agree to this contract by, you know, um, taking this course, and something happens. Even if they're in um, another state, they mm-hmm. will have to, you know, adhere to the stipulations within your contract. You are able to bring forth a lawsuit against them, and um, a lot of people uh, don't don't think about that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they don't think about it until something happens, and yeah. we really do have to be proactive, and mm-hmm. we we really have to be smart when it comes to our business.
0: Yes. Be proactive. Be smart when it comes to your business. You know, you have a fire idea. You know, it's hot. You know, it's popping. Protect it. Yes. Yes. Protect it. Protect it. Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Well, LaVon, it has been my pleasure to talk to you like you have really come through with this legal knowledge. I know there are a lot of people who were taking notes. If not, they will probably go back and listen again and take notes. I was taking notes <laughs> and I appreciate you taking the time to like just share some of this insight because we need it in the community. We really do.
1: Yes. Yes. And I'm, it was such a pleasure to be here and to talk to you. Um, it was such an enjoyable time. Thanks.
0: Thank you. So last thing, where can people find you to be in contact with you to hire the Creators Law Firm?
1: Yeah, so um, you can actually find me on Instagram by searching my name, LaVon Jones, L-Y-V-O-N-N-E, J-O-N-E-S. And the Creators Law Firm is also on Instagram. So if you search Creators Law Firm, we're on Instagram, or you can just go to our website at www.creatorslawfirm.com. Um, so yeah, check us out. Um, Book a discovery call with us. Let us help you protect your intellectual property and make sure that you have a firm legal foundation in your business. Y'all heard it. Go do it now. Get it done.
0: Thanks for watching Black Executive. Join the conversation in the comments below and be sure to like and subscribe. You can find a full list of all available podcast episodes on blackexecutive.com or wherever you stream. Until next time, keep aspiring to inspire.